What is up everybody? Welcome to Behind the Scenes with with your host Vinani Mozanzali. This is the podcast where we go behind the scenes with some of your favorites to find out a bit about what goes on in their lives both in and out of the industry. We've got actors, singers, comedians, dancers, we have got the lot. We have some amazing deep conversations, we share secrets, but there's always plenty of laughs and we're all about the good vibes. If you do enjoy listening, please make sure to give us a like, subscribe, follow, leave us a review, all of that stuff. You already know what to do. It's much, much appreciated. Now, with all that being said, the curtains are drawn, the cameras are cut, and it's time to go behind the scenes. On this episode, we are joined by comedy legend and Britain's Got Talent finalist, Steve Royal from his garden in Chorley. Steve chats to us about the highs and lows of his career, about his experience and time on the one of the biggest TV shows in the world. Um, and we are even graced with the presence of his little puppy, Gino. We had loads of fun. He even told us some jokes firsthand. So without further ado, here it is. Right, here he is. Recording in progress. Recording in progress. Perfect. How impression. are we? Vinani, the lovely Vinani. I've right. got a dog running, going chaos in the background. Can you see that? We've got Gino Royal running chaos in the background. Steve's in his garden. Yeah. All right. How yeah. are you? Yeah. I'm very well. Yeah. I thought I'd do outside and, you know, because it's such a beautiful day, you know. Yeah. Like, it, inevitably by the time this has been put together and it's out there as a podcast it'll be miserable again won't it but it'll at least have something to look back back on remember when we had that glorious three days of summer back yes. in june <laughs> no exactly exactly it probably is going to be raining again isn't it by the time this is out who knows we will see um but how have you been finding life how's life been since things have been opened up a bit more you've been doing some shows live shows it, yeah, it's just gone chaotic over the last two weeks. I, I think in the first two weeks of uh, since restrictions were lifted, I and so, and so theatres kind of opened, you know, with only theatres are, you know, still social distancing in the theatres. But um, I did a week of over nine shows at Blackpool Pleasure Beach. I've done 14, 15 shows overall in the last two weeks. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's started to be a little bit of a, a, a mad few weeks ahead. Yeah, it's good though, and it's good to be busy, isn't it? Absolutely is. I mean, you know as well as I do what it's been. A, a, I've had the benefit of the Britain's Got Talent experience to at least keep me occupied over the last 12 months. But without that and away from that, I've had virtually nothing, you know, just Zoom gigs. And as, as wonderful as Zoom gigs are, you can, you know, it's nice to entertain in your slippers once in a while. But you don't want to make a habit of it. You know what I yeah. mean? I, I'm yeah. worried that when you do get, you know, when theatres do open normally, I will only feel comfortable on stage if I've just got my underpants and a pair of slippers on on the bottom half, to be honest with you, because that's all you need to wear. You've no idea what I might have on a day. You know, you know what I mean? I know. I know. Of a Zoom shows. <laughs> right now, right now. I hope you haven't just got your underpants on now. Uh, who knows, Vinani? Who knows? These are one of the mysteries, the mysteries of life that we will never know. It is the magic of Zoom, but it's so true, isn't it? 
I, I think you can hazard a guess though, that it that I've got a, a five-month-old puppy in the background and it's very nippy at the moment. So I think you can hazard a guess that I, I do have substantial trousers on. Right. <laughs> Good, I'm glad to hear it. Um, it's so true though, like I honestly, now when I go out, if I have a pair of jeans on for about an hour and I just want to get them off. I, I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah, it's um, funny, isn't it, how, how you get so used to comfy wear. It is, it is. It's been, it's been crazy. Um, but we'll talk a bit more about that in a little bit. But let's, for people, I'm sure everybody listening knows who you are. They've seen you on the telly last, last year. It was 2020, wasn't it? Britain's Got Talent, yeah 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 but let's start from the beginning so tell us a little bit about your journey so far how did you get into what you do where did it all start was there something that inspired you was it just did it come where did it come from well uh, it all began for me I suppose at school you know I was always a little bit of a class clown if you like I was I was always the smallest in school I was always the little diddy tiny I was a tiny little child I was just, and I was on front row. You always know the tiny ones because I always sat on the cross legs on school photographs on the front row. Yeah, yeah. That's that's where tiny kids used to go back in my, when I was growing up. Anyway, so I'll be there on the front row. Uh, for me, and and I, I don't know whether it was a mechanism to make myself be seen or what, but I, I was like you say, a bit of a class clown. Also, my parents were both teachers, and I always put the fact that I've never been. I mean, shy, and I think it's it's a lot to do with the fact that when you've got parents who are teachers, you don't view your teachers as some kind of alien species, if you know what I mean. I mean, a lot of kids go to school and see someone telling them what to do and bossing them around, and that's that's usual for for them, you know. Whereas for myself, I I knew what it was. It was my mum and dad. You know what I mean? So I was never fearful of them, never intimidated by them, if you like. So that gave me confidence from day one. But um, I wouldn't say I was, you know, I was never unruly and I, I was, a, you know, a very studious child. But when I was about, well, I know it was the last year of junior school, so I'd be sort of 10, 11 year old, I got cast in Rumpelstiltskin as a school play. And wow. I, I remember being so excited and I put all, so much effort into being Rumpelstiltskin in that, in that school play. And I remember getting laughs from the audience and it became really addictive. I really enjoyed it so much. And I thought, yeah, do you know what? This is a career for me. And I don't ever remember that ever leaving me then. From from then onwards, it was weird. Again, going back to my parents being teachers, I support they kind of obviously just wanted me to do well in education. So they never really pushed or encouraged me to do drama and things like that. They wanted me just to do, you know, these, you know, not your normal subjects you like just do well at school and yeah and go on to higher education and for years once I did become an entertainer my mum still used to say when you're going to get a proper job are you going to get a proper yeah. job she's still saying that now you know 50 yeah. <laughs> at the age of 52 she's still saying when, are going to, when am I going to get a proper job yeah so I suppose that was it and then the big the big catalyst for me was when I joined Oldham Theatre Workshop back right. in the 1980s now Oldham Theatre Workshop at the time was a drama school funded by the council so it didn't cost to go there but it was mostly drama schools mainly because of the guy who ran it called david johnson he was called and he was he was yes david a, johnson. Oh, he was a big character in more ways than once yeah have you have you heard of david johnson yeah he still he still teach drama now yes yeah. he does to yeah. this day i know he worked for lane management for a while after 
But he, he began his career at this Oldham Theatre Workshop and he became notorious. And like you say, you even know him now because he's, he's notorious for being hypercritical. And he's a, he was the same with kids. I remember him grilling me over one small bit of speech. And to the point where I, I remember him standing up in front, he stood up in front of the, a whole group of children once. It's, it's horrific to think now. This would never, you'd never get away with it now. But he stood up in front of us all and just went, right, I'm sick of you. I'm going to go into my little car, go to my little house and the lot of you. Swore, swore at us all and walked off. And that was probably probably about eight o'clock at night and we usually get picked up by our parents at maybe 9.30. And so we just had to sit in a hall just unattended, just loads of kids in total silence. Well, not total silence. We were all in total shock, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah. But yeah. And I always wanted to be an actor then. So the reason, to, to cut a long story short, the reason I, I went off to university to appease my parents, if you like, and I studied economic and social history at the, right, okay. the University in Canterbury. I, didn't know I got that. a two-two because I just like sauntered through it. But I always knew that I wanted to get back acting to came out of university. Didn't do much acting, did a couple of amateur plays at, at the university, yeah. but never really got involved with the drama department. I was a northern lad in a southern university. I was, a, I suppose, it, I was a little bit, and I saw him a bit snobby and a bit arty farty. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want to be involved with all that. Yeah. So I, I got back into it when I came, when I came, when I came out to university. I got a job in a bar, and a guy came one night and said, uh, "There's a local, the local school, we're, we're having um, juggling juggling classes in the evenings. Do I fancy going along?" And I thought, you know what? Yeah. I'll have a go at that. I'd learned to juggle a little bit with just three with three oranges while I've been revising my university exams. Your exams so yeah. I went along and I, I got hooked. I got absolutely hooked. And within within two, yeah, within two months of start, I started there in February. By Easter, I got a job then as an entertainer at Granada Studios Tour, where they used to have it used to be a, a tour of Coronation Street and other film sets. And the rest is history, as they say. So how old were you at that point? So you'd graduated? Yeah, so I'd be, I'd be 21. Uh, yeah, I went for six months where I lived in London for a while. And then, yeah, 21, 22. Yeah, 21, 22. Yeah. And by the time I started at the Grab Studios tour, yeah. Yeah, love it. It's a bit really for um, learning to juggle. I mean, I'm actually, one of the things I've done during the lockdown has been teaching kids big groups etc and guides groups and and scouts and clubs and I've been teaching them how to juggle online with our online courses and yeah. they always ask me when did you first start to juggle and I said well I was a lot older than you I was 21 you guys could be brilliant by the time you're my age you know yeah. what I mean because they've got so much potential and you do absorb you know you do learn things a lot quicker I always regret now that I didn't if I'd learned when I was like you know maybe 10 or 11 year old who knows what I'd be able to juggle with now you yeah know? oh it's so much harder isn't it um as an adult to look to pick up something new like everyone in lockdown has tried a language or an instrument or something and it, it's really hard yeah, to my age, Vinani, you're still a young thing, aren't you? You can oh. still, you've still got some brain matter in there. You get to my age, never mind learning new stuff. It's what you're forgetting that you're more concerned about. <laughs> I always say because obviously I come from the dance background, as you know, um, but I never did any form of like gymnastics or acrobatics when I was younger, and then even by the time you're like fourteen, fifteen, it's hard to learn those mm. basic skills. Yeah, I watch my kids uh, as well. You know that all three girls have done dancing, and 
and Rosie in particular with her she can do all the gymnastic aerials and yeah. all the backflips and things and and I'm so jealous because I, I did you know I, like I mentioned earlier I was dead small and had quite a light frame and I always thought I'd be grad I did enjoy gymnastics at school and I, I really mm. wish I'd progress with it really you need to get them to coach you and then you can put like a backflip in your act or something that would just be the cherry on top yeah well that's what I mean I mean there's so many times Times I've done, you know, in pantomime, you know, you, you end a song. It'd be brilliant now, but you could just do a little bat flip and land on that, whatever, on the top of the well or something. You know what I mean? I've It'd be thought, so good. Oh, if, if only. <laughs> Going back to the memory thing, you talk about the memory thing. That's my biggest, the biggest concern after lockdown, I think, for a lot of comedians is about remembering, is about remembering yeah. all the material that they've done because I've never... Aside from pantomime, I have a bit of experience with it because, as you know, we're doing pantomime every single year. Yeah. I've always got a two-month break away from from stand-up, but I always find it very difficult going back into the stand-up routine in January, February time and re- remembering what I used to do. And that's yeah. after only two months. Yeah. You know, you can, you know multiply, multiply that by six, seven months as it is now. Yeah. 14 months of lockdown. And and. I, I I was on stage the other night and I started to do some a bit of stand-up that I hadn't done for a long time and and I got halfway through and realized hang on, I've not done the setup for this. You know, it's 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 take it's gonna take a long time yeah. for it all to come back. And so and inevitably someone will come up to me at some gig in the future and say, Oh, you used to do that bit about whatever you know about having your hair cut. Why don't you do that anymore? And I go, Oh, I've forgotten all about you forgot it. Forgot it. Yeah, everyone's rusty, aren't they? It's crazy. Right. So you talked a bit about you've got a degree, you went to uni. Um, studied something totally different. So my next question is, if you'd have followed what your mum was telling you and your dad was telling you, you got a proper job, a normal job, what do you think you'd be doing now if you hadn't if you hadn't followed your passion, if you hadn't gone down this route? I would say almost certainly I would be a teacher myself. I The job I told you that I got at Granada Studios tour, I was actually doing a year's my own head I was doing taking a year's and I was going to go to teach training college at yeah. crew and I'll you in the the following September yeah and so I took the Granada job thinking it was only a six-month contract I thought well I'll take me up to September come September I'll start there so right. September came around and I thought you know what? I'm enjoying my entertainment so much here I'll stick at it and yeah. I did another year deferred it another year I think it was a maximum you could defer it was two years at the time and and never looked back, never bothered reapplying. So I'd almost certainly be some wacky, crazy history teacher. I could, do you know what? I could actually see you as that. History teacher, well, I can. Do you know what? Or scientist. I, I did. I, I, the only, when people ever ask me if you've ever had a proper job, the only really proper job I did have for a while, what I was teaching, because my dad was a college lecturer, he got me a job at his college yeah teaching night school and I did teach a few pupils I taught A-level sociology and A-level economics for about two years just right, evening okay. classes I wasn't very, I don't think I was very good I don't think I, I was only young I was only like you know be 23 24 at the time and, and I just didn't have I didn't have enough you know enthusiasm I suppose for the job to really put an effort on looking back at it I was probably a bit of a chance I hope, yeah. I hope I didn't ruin anyone's love of sociology and economics because of it but no That's I don't funny. think I were that great I think if I had been a teacher I I would have been a good teacher I'm sure I would have been a good teacher I would have liked to practice, you know a few jokes with the classes and stuff like that yeah you definitely would have been the funniest one 
funny teachers were always the best at school anyway <laughs> weren't they so yeah yeah right so let's talk a little bit about your career highlights what would you say I think I might know the answer to this what is let's just let's say one for now have you got one highlight one of your best moments of your career that you like that was epic that or you felt like oh I've made it this is this is amazing yeah I mean are you going to think I'm going to just say Britain's Got Talent and you know but in actual fact the one that gave me the biggest buzz and the biggest thrill was doing Phoenix Nights Live right. at the Manchester Arena. Um, I mean, I think it still holds the record for the most show, most number of people performed to at the Manchester Arena. Uh, 15,000 people a night. Wow. And it was for, I think we did 16 shows in total. It, were, it was amazing, just incredible. And to work and also I was working with my mates, you know, the, all the lads who were involved in Phoenix Nights were 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 close friends of mine, you know what I mean? So it was just go, yeah. we're going to the Manchester Evening News Arena every night for fifteen thousand people being treated like kings anyway. Yeah. Because we didn't get any money. We got no it was all for charity. I think we we raised five point something million pounds and wow. for comic relief that year. But we did it all we did it all for charity. So they did treat us incredibly well. And and also the other thing about that is for years people have been saying oh, Steve Royal from Phoenix Nights and all I actually did on Phoenix Nights was I was one of the auditionees at the end of this one of the episodes and that was it so I never really felt like I was part of the team but okay. when Peter phoned me up when Peter phoned me up and asked me to be part of the the live show Peter phoned me up and I, I just said you know I didn't even need to, much persuaded anyway he yeah. said have a think about it I said I don't need to think about it Peter I'm gonna do it without a shadow of a doubt I'm gonna yeah. do that but he, but he actually said to me, all the others, you see, they all are quite established characters in the show mm. and they had to perform as their characters, even though they all do stand up themselves. They, they all had to like learn new acts, whereas I was the only one who had an, already had an act. So that's why he put me on first. So yeah. Peter went on, introduced me as Steve Rell from Charlie. And I went on, yeah, like I said, first act on of the night. 15,000 people and and the you know and absolutely loved it so in terms of highlights that has got to be right up there but I've been so lucky I've done so many you know, live at the Palladium I did the waltz and that and nearly ended up on the actual programme because an acrobat broke the leg <laughs> no way and I, I, I knew yeah I got a phone call from Jason Manford as I was driving down to the to the, to the theatre to the Palladium and he said hey Steve have you got all your juggling stuff you might be on the show and so he introduced me and I did a spot as if it was, you know, as if it was live. Yeah. But then when he went on started the actual show, he got a ladder, he picked up a kid on the front row who happened to have a pack of cards and was a magician and he got him up on stage. And as soon as that happened, I thought, oh, this kid's going to nick my spot here. And he did. It was, to be fair, it was amazing improvised comedy. And, and so I never got on the actual live show, but. But it was, uh, you know, it's still, it's still there as a credit and I still perform at, played, at the Palladium, so... Yeah, that that, yeah that's got to be a highlight, definitely. But one of the, you said one of the acrobats broke the leg. That's where, you, that's where your backflip could have come in, if you had your skills. Exactly, yeah. Well, I could have replaced him, couldn't I, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't ask me to do that. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Britain's Got Talent. How did you find it? You know what? They've been asking me to go on Britain's Got Talent. I've had phone calls for eight years. Yeah. In total. Eight years ago, I got invited down to London to meet the producers and they're trying to persuade me to go on the programme. And I gave in at, at that point. And then at the last minute, for some reason, I don't know why they decided not to show. And I said to him at the time, I said, well, 
look, it's, you know, it's took me a lot of guts to, to do this. I won't be do, you know, I won't won't do it again. And mm. every year after that, they phoned me up and tried to persuade me to do it. And then this year, one of the reasons I did it this year, well, two reasons. One was, it's it, I started that job at the uh, Granada Studios back in 1990, so yeah. it would have two years. So 2020, so my 30th year in show business, if you like. I thought nice way of rounding it off is to finally do Britain's Got Talent. And also the Blackpool Grand Theatre where I do Panto as well, you know. You've done yeah, it with me so many times. Um, they were up against, for the first time, the Opera House in Blackpool decided to put yeah. a Panto on as well. And they were going to make it the biggest Panto Blackpool's ever seen. Yes, and yeah. I, I thought, right, I'll boost ours by going on telly a little yeah. you know, give it a little bit of a boost. And so, so that, that, that was one of the reasons. Well, the whole experience from, from day one, from going for the audition, I was treated so well and so kind. And uh, it, it really is. I've worked on a lot. I've done a lot of TV warm-ups, you know, for loads of different programmes. And some of the programmes I've worked on have been very tense, very uh, not, not friendly environments, really. Television, I've always said I've worked in radio for years and radio is much more friendly and more relaxed environment. Television, yeah. there's a lot of... A lot, there's a lot of pressure on people and, and sometimes the pressure shows yeah uh, and especially on recording days yeah with Britain's Got Talent it's a real real happy family to be part of yeah and and I suppose the the, the one of the I mean there weren't that many advantages to last year but the advantage for me personally is it, it dragged it out because normally Britain's Got Talent is you know you do the auditions they're filmed in February end of January beginning of February yeah, and then the show goes out in April, and then the finals at the end of May. Yeah, but this time of last year, it got delayed. You know, almost a year, basically. I think nine months in total that I was yeah that I was tied up with the, with the show, which was which was brilliant. And I made some good friends, especially those who were involved in the final. All the ones, all of them in the final, were all part of a WhatsApp group, and we all chat to each other quite regularly. You know, that's nice. Yeah, it's good to hear because I feel like a lot of well, that's one of the reasons why. I, I think listening to this podcast as a listener you just don't you don't know about what goes on you don't know do you are, are the contestants do they do they genuinely get on is everything as it seems mm. so yeah it's good it's good to hear do you feel like your life's changed at all since you've been on it when we did the final in October yeah after a week the week after it which was a, normally the week where you'd be milking it and going look I was in the final but it's got talented the most watched program of the year at the time etc yeah. etc um, I got diagnosed with COVID within five days. Yes, yeah, and, I knew about that. And so I was locked down, and I was supposed to be going. In, I was supposed to be filming Crackerjack, for kids' telly. I was right. supposed to do several episodes of that. I had to pull that. I had gigs lined up, and then, you know, we all got put into tier three in the north where, where yeah. I live, and and eventually in lockdown. So there were there were no gigs. There was no opportunity to um, to get out there. So it's only in the last few weeks. It's been funny you know, since, you know, I've done gigs over the last couple of weeks. So, and I've turned up at venues and people are going, oh, you can have a photograph taken with you. And I'll finally get feeling, you know. But I'm recognising how massive the programme is. I was always told, you know, by people, friend, I've got friends who've done the show in the past and they said, you won't believe how it affects your life, mate. It, you know, it, it really changes. And it's crazy. My bin, my bin man the other day, I was just, I'm just nipping out and the bin man was just, Coming and he's like, oh, it's him from Britain's Got Talent. It's just everywhere, yeah, everywhere you go. And it's nationwide as well. I mean, as well, you know, I, I kind of had a, I built a name for myself over the years 
at Blackpool for the Grand Theatre and stuff. So people, I, I'm, I'm used to being recognised in Blackpool, if you like. Yeah. But when you get recognised everywhere else in the in the country, and, and my tour, my tour's coming up in September and October. I'm on tour. Yeah. And when I got the tour dates, I was half expecting them all to all to be northwest based. You know what I mean? I yeah, thought, yeah, local. Think it's selling me anywhere in, in down south. Well, what? And then you look at them at the Leicester Square Theatre, and then I'm on at yeah. the talk at somewhere in the you know like. Torquay or um, in Taunton and Exeter, Exeter, all these places that I would have thought, blimey, they wouldn't have a clue where I am. But, um, yeah. you know, I'm finally, yeah, I'm finally getting recognised nationwide. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's so true, isn't it? Because, I mean, the internet's powerful as well. And I think there's been a few instances of people that have been discovered, like talent that's been discovered online, literally in the, mm. in the dead of lockdown. And now they're coming out and yeah actually realizing that oh there is life and people do know, know who you are and it, yeah it might take some yeah. getting used to mightn't it yeah yeah, yeah it, it's strange I mean, I, I mean I'm loving it the kids are hating it obviously <laughs> are they do they not think it's cool yeah, I think they, it's so they, cool yeah, if my dad was getting recognized I, I, I think I, I think I think secretly yeah I think that I think they're the, the dead proud really you know the other thing is everywhere you go you got to put a mask on haven't you so you got to be reckoned you, you can Luckily, I've got very recognisable eyes and glasses yeah. and a, a notorious bald pate on top. Thanks to my bald head and glasses, I'm recognisable from the nose up. Yeah. I feel for anyone, I, I feel for anyone who's not, rec- you know, if you're famous for, for, I don't know, for having a peculiar nose or a strange mouth, then you know what I mean? Yeah, you're not getting recognised anymore. You're, you're not going to get recognised as much, are you? Can you say that? Today. Sorry, that's worth, that's worth clipping, that's worth clipping for a Zoom for a, for a video you know. there. The dog, what's, it, what's he just stolen? He just a classic Andrex toilet roll. As if. Just stolen a, 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 a toilet roll and just ran down the drive. It's a kitchen roll, actually, but for the benefit of the, the purposes of this, yeah, he just... <laughs> oh, that's funny. Andrex got, moment. Rolls his studio out, trying to gra- grab it back off him. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's so there funny. She go- there she goes. It's chaos in the background. Have you got him? You're ruining this. I should have shut that gate. Then he couldn't get out. Then. There he Look is. Look at him, he's going mad. Did that take some Gino. persuading? Gino. Oh. From the girls? Oh, or were you to get the dog? dog? Yeah. Oh, no, it took a lot of persuading. A Did lot. it? I, you know what? I wish I'd stood my ground as well, because I said all along, I said, I said, you don't say you're going to walk in. You won't. I'll be the one who have to walk in. Yeah. I said, you'll all be out of school. You'll come on. You say you're tired and you can't, and I'll be the one taking it. And... Anyway, I'm, I'm right. As always, Vinani, I'm right. right. I'm the one taking him for walks all the time. I'm the one, right, who's having to feed him and pick yeah. up his mess, etc. But I feel They're like you, just... I think you love it, really. I feel like parents always say that. And then they <laughs> love it, really. What is it? One of the reasons we got a little lad was because I'm, I'm the only male in the house, and I've got three yeah. daughters. Why? Got a little mate so now. it's nice. It's nice. To, it's nice to have a little fella, a fellow male, a male in the house. Have you not caught him yet? Oh, how funny! Unbelievable. We're back on. Right there we go. What a palaver. Um. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Um. Yeah, I was at the pleasure beach yesterday, and your poster was still up from your shows there, and it was out, and it said like six p.m. tonight or whatever. So my sister-in-law, she'll come and watch Panto and recite your jokes for weeks after. And she she thought that your show was actually on <laughs> yesterday. And she was like, oh, we've got to go and watch it when the park shuts tonight. But I was like, 
it's not on anymore. It's finished. Oh, uh, well, I apologise for it, but but she can still see me on tour. See me this she Saturday can. at the Lowry Theatre. And then there you go, tour. guys. The first date. There you go. I know. I ho- I'm hoping this isn't going to be out too long after, so people will hear right. that. But we'll, I'll, we'll talk about Brilliant. that at the end. Um, right. So moving on from some of your highlights, some of your best moments, things you've enjoyed, but. In terms of struggles, anything that you faced that you has been hard for you? Has there, has there ever been any moments where you thought, I can't do it anymore, or you might have a career change? Or Yeah. Yeah, yeah massive, massively, yeah. I've had some very dark moments, and genuinely, I think probably in the first lockdown for some... The first lockdown was a strange one, wasn't it? Because it was... None of us had predicted that we'd be still in this mess a year later. And we all thought it'd be like maybe two, three months at the most, and then we'll be out of it. We'll laugh about it. But it hit me quite hard because I had so much lined up. For starters, the Britain's Got Talent thing that I knew was going ahead. Yeah. And I had so much lined up on the strength of that and on the back of that, that I went through some very dark moments where I genuinely thought, do you know what? I, I I don't know if I'll ever perform again. I don't know if I'll ever get on a stage again. Have, have I done? Have I, have I, and it seems ridiculous now because obviously I've done it so many times over just in the last couple of weeks. But it was a real, it was a real thought there, and it was a real mental torment. And one point, at one point last summer, the shop behind the back of my house here, so that local shop, and it, it's actually stopped being a sh- stopped being a shop a couple of years ago. And it turned into a delicatessen and people's kind of, anyway, the business failed, but it's come up for sale. Right. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to take it over and, and have a, become a shopkeeper. That, yeah. I could quite enjoy that. Make a little tea rooms yeah. and serve cups of coffee to people. That that will just have to be my future. I didn't, I generally thought I'm never going to perform again. And it, it's it, it's horrible to think that, but. It's true. It, it did that. Those are in my in my darkest moments, but there's been some amazing moments as well. In terms of creativity, this past twelve months have probably been the most creative twelve months that I've ever um, been part of and, yeah. and witnessed. I've seen some amazing things online and yeah. Zoom shows, for example. You know, a year, eighteen months ago, no one knew what Zoom was. Yeah, you know I, what know. I mean, we wouldn't even yeah. thought about doing a show show on 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 Zoom and and I know you know there's all of the others that have come out of it but in for me personally the, when I look back at what I achieved the first thing I did b- before the national lockdown as you recall back in March last year uh old people to be hit care homes and thought you know what that's horrible that they can't go anywhere I'll get together with some friends and we'll put on a show and just before we got locked down, I took myself, Tom Lister, you know, from Emmerdale and yeah. uh, 42nd Street, uh, me and him and a mate of mine called Bren Riley, we went over to a care home in Southport and we set up a bingo session outside the window and we called it, please don't close your curtains, cabaret. Yeah. And the idea was we entertained them all through the window. Yeah, it's and amazing. And they all held up message. Granada reports came to report on it. We had national yeah, coverage that. eventually. And, and, and so I think oh, that was the first major thing I did and then when we all got locked down again I went through those dark moments where I thought I wouldn't perform and then you start working out ways you could perform and I started off doing little shows online someone messaged me said can you not bring Mad Edgar back Mad Edgar was the character I used to call myself when I was at Camelot theme park for years I worked at Camelot theme park for 13 years and 
uh, as a jester. So I, I set up the back garden here and I got all, all my old props out from the loft and found them oh, on. I even it. got my mate over. I used to work with him. We did a little show in the back garden here. So I did that show. And then in the summer, me and Tom Lister again got together and we did a garden party here where we interviewed people, from old friends of his from... Um, I'm forgetting the names of the, the characters now. D uh, Dingle, one of the Dingles from um, Emmerdale and uh, Jeff Horsley. And um, it, we, we interviewed him and his wife on uh, live and it was a live show. It went out and and, and so there was so, so much creativity. And I was doing little tricks. I was doing, I got into the TikToks, doing little um, circusy tricks, spinning ball, throw, yeah. throwing them into a netball hoop that the girls have got in the back garden here. And, uh, and so when I look back now, and on top of all that, you got to remember I was trying to create for Britain's Got Talent as well, which kept changing because we never really knew what we could do. My initial idea for the semi-final of Britain's Got Talent was to get David Walliams up and teach him to juggle in a spoof routine that I used to do. Right. And obviously then it got to the point where you can't get people up, you can't be close to people, so you, you can't, can't do that. Yeah, yeah. And you get told so. The rules were changing, so I was having to recreate and create. Um, yeah, well, I remember. We, um, sorry to cut you in. Remember, me and Jess came um, to be your dancers, and you had to send because you were sending videos off, weren't you? You, you did. You were doing it yourself you very in the much. studio. Yeah, um, they wanted. They, they, in fact, they mirrored your exact move. The dancers. Yeah, when I made watched up that it, I thought to, to accompany. They said that we didn't have to do anything. It was so good. The, the choreographer of Britain's Got Talent said that was so good what you ingested. There's that, our choreography. That, um, that's all we'll do. We'll just we'll just mirror that for you. Yeah, it's been a weird, weird, like bittersweet time, hasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyone listening, please support the arts. I think. Yeah, I've been like, saying that to every every gig I've done the last couple of weeks. I've ended by just saying to people, you know what, wherever you are, wherever you're from. If there's a local theatre near you, if you've been there before, you've never been there before, just go. Just go for once. Otherwise, these places will will go. They'll be they lost will. forever and yeah. you, you won't be able to get them back then. So, you know, you, you need to bear that in mind. And if you yeah. do value the arts in any way, then just make that extra effort to go and see. You know, maybe go and see one more. If you, if you used to go to the theatre once every six months, go twice every six months, you know, yeah. once every three, three months. You know, you know what I mean? Just, just do it more often than you would have normally done, so yeah. at least for the next year or so, just so we get back on our feet. 100%. It's hard, isn't it, I think? Well, with anything, like when you're not in that a circle of something and if it's not, that, <clears> if you're not directly involved with it, it is hard in a way to empathise and and kind of get on board with it. But I think during covid during the lockdowns and everything everyone's being affected in a different way so yeah it's just showing support where you can isn't it yeah exactly and exactly there's been that, there's yeah. been a lot worse happened but like you say everyone like i remember once i turned the news on one morning I've, I've just tried to stop watching it now but there was interviews with cast member after cast member from west end shows and there was guys from les mis stacking the shelves in tesco and they're still there now because the, the, some of those theaters yeah. in town aren't open until the end of the year anyway um which yeah. it's amazing to be employed anyway and like I said you know as long as there's no loss of life but it's just yeah it's been hard hasn't it yeah I mean don't take it too far don't go, go don't go go and see Mamma Mia you know, just to wind my kids I love Mamma Mia and I'm going oh I can't forgive Piers Brosnan he, he for me is James Bond you see and uh, I'm a big James Bond fan and watching him singing and dancing ABBA tunes it, 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 it ruined it for me so go and see any other show but Mamma Mia <laughs> hope no one's listening yeah. Like Mamma Mia yeah <laughs> right well on a lighter note let's say 
um obviously for anyone who's listening who doesn't know you what on a normal day what would where would we find you on a day it let's say it's Saturday it's a day off where would Steve Royal be what would you be doing oh well if, if it's a Saturday then I'm always out gigging yeah everywhere I could be anywhere in the country anywhere in the world I suppose um it used to be an easier answer to your question there because I used to do BBC Radio Lancashire every Saturday morning yes and unfortunately during the pandemic and due to BBC cutbacks I've lost my job there as well so I won't be doing I'm not doing radio at the moment but usually I I, and also I'm a family man as well you know I'll, I'll be well, you know full well where I'll normally be most nights. I'm normally somewhere between here and Fleetwood. You I are. live in Chorley, and because of the pantomime, because the pantomime used Barbara Jackson's Theatre Art School for there, where you went, you know, where you, where you still teaching, yeah. they they have to go all the way from here to Chorley. But for me, it's a 50, 50 minute to an hour, yeah. can sometimes be longer than that drive to take my daughter to the dance class, then drive yeah. all the way back. And I always say, having three daughters, when I finally leave the house at night and go to work to some comedy club, that's finally a bit of me time and a bit of a rest. As I said on Britain's Got Talent, I also go to work to speak and be heard. You know what I mean? It's the only time, doing stand-up comedy is the only time where people actually pay attention and listen to me, because we certainly don't at home. Even Gino, your next, your little male <laughs> mate in the house, is not listening to you. Well, yeah, I mean, we proved that even... The dog listens almost less than the girls. That is funny. Right, so to wrap things up, what, where can we see Steve oh. Real next? Let's you, You've got your tour coming up. Are you, you booked for Panto at Christmas? The tour coming up begins on the... Yeah, um, the tour officially begins on Saturday with the, 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 the Larry Theatre, but then there's quite a break because I've got lots of summer gigs. Then it'll be straight into pantomime then. Straight into pantomime at the Grand Theatre in Blackpool which is, as well you know, it's my second home. I've been there for 18 years. It's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Right, yeah. while we're both go here. On. Right, go on. I've got 10 quick-fire questions, right, to finish it off. Oh, I like, um, I like a quick, right, I like a quick-fire round. Yeah, you've got to answer, ideally one word, no more than a sentence. Right, okay. Yeah? Anyone yeah, okay. Listening, we're yet to name this segment of the podcast, so... I want some comments. If anyone's got any ideas, something quirky, something fun. It's always going to be 10 quick fire questions. Okay, go on. Right. Favourite food? Cauliflower cheese. Favourite song? Two words, isn't it? <laughs> you too, with or without you. Summer or winter? Summer. Okay. Tea or coffee? Tea. Right. Where's your favourite place to be in the world ever? Home in the Lake District is that last one. Home in the Lake District. Got you. Um, what are you watching on TV at the moment? Oh, well, oh, um, oh what's it called? I just finished, just finished watching The Crown. I'm a bit, I'm a bit behind the times. Right, but, the Crown. Oh, no, 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 he was at the East, what's it called? Mayor of East, East, oh, Jack, I, I can't do with it. Kate Winslet's new one. He's, right, okay. He's doing my head in. <laughs> okay, we got it, we got it. Um, Favourite colour? Red. Snap. Favourite animal? No, blue. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> God, God, you would answer a simple question like that. I love blue. I love blue. Favourite animal? I have to say dog, because I've got one. 
Um, hoping that he'll listen to you a bit more after saying that. Yeah, that's rapidly declining, actually. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, tell us your favourite joke. Oh, my favourite one still is two monkeys in a bath. One says to the other, <laughs> the other one says, well, put some cold water in there. Still love that one. All right. And last one to finish off. This might be a bit longer. What's your best piece of advice or a quote that you live by? Uh, I would have to say, ooh, always be confident. Always be confident in everything you do. It, it, it's, the, it's, the, it, it, it's easy to say, you know, to tell people to do that, and it's harder to actually do it. But yeah. self-confidence is, is the key to, to success. Self-confidence is the key to success. And uh, I, I've noticed that I've learned that. You know, years ago, if I'd done Britain's Got Talent, there's no way I would have got as far as I'd done because I wouldn't be as confident as I was at this time. I went, you know what? doesn't matter what other people think. Just do, do you know, just go for it. And also, yeah. try everything. Try everything, okay? Try any opportunity that comes your way, try it. That's a good one. So hopefully, if you've learned one thing today, that's a bit of bit of life advice from Steve Royal. Um, yeah. And it's true, you've proven that because if you didn't try juggling, who knows where you'd be now? You'd be the wacky history teacher. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely I would. Yeah. And if, if the fear had stuck with me, I wouldn't have done Britain's Got Talent. Instead, I went, you know what? I've got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Just go for it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Thank you very much. That was that was a good... I I can't answer those quick fire questions. I've got too much to say. Well, I, can't, I can't believe I even dilly-dallied. The problem is that when people ask me my favourite colour, the problem I have is I'm a Man United fan. Mm. okay which is red but in actual fact i love blue and and I, all my, most clothes i'll buy are blue it'll be blue so i suppose if i'm being true to myself then blue is the blue. answer but you could have blue and red you've got blue, a blue and red shirt on right now yeah kind of answer the old question with what i'm wearing tonight no yeah you did right that is a wrap thank you very much steve royal for joining us today my pleasure vanani before you go actually one last thing let everybody know where can they follow you where can they find you instagram twitter on um, most uh, most platforms it's steve royal comic and the royal is r-o-y-l-e so steve royal comic and that's where i am on the twitter instagram tickle tuckle and on that there facebook there you go r-o-y-l-e steve royal that's right all right, thank you, thank you very much. And I hope maybe we have you on again soon at some point. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review. It is much, much appreciated. You can follow us for exclusive content on all social media platforms at BTS with Podcast. And you can also find me on Instagram at Vinani Mwaz. That's V-I-N-A-N-I-M-W-A-Z. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.